Hello, and welcome to Christ Fellowship of Elizabeth. We're so happy that you decided to join us today. This is the teaching podcast from our Sunday worship service, recorded at the Liberty Center in Elizabeth, New Jersey. Our goal as a church is to love God, make disciples, and change the world. We hope that this message inspires you and helps to lead you deeper in your relationship with Jesus. Enjoy. Hello, Christ Fellowship. My name is Joel, and we're going to continue with the series, The Promise of Guidance. Specifically today, the topic is God is in the process. So everyone lives trying to set goals for themselves. It'd be actually pretty hard to live without making goals for yourself, without some type of aim, without some type of target that you're trying to reach. Um, but we, we, we love the goals. We love trying to accomplish things. But honestly, we really don't like the process. We don't like the journey that it takes to get there. Um, I'm going to steal a word from Deacon Derek that he, he shared actually a couple weeks ago where he said um, that he used the word despise. So we desire the destination, but we despise the journey. And it's true. Like we desire the destination where we're trying to get to, but we despise the journey. And the interesting thing with that is everything God does, he does with some type of process. Uh, there's always some type of step by step. If you look at it, if you look at anything God does and uh, you see that, you see that pattern. Think about creation. He created the heavens and the earth. And he didn't do that with a snap of his finger, although he could have. Right. Like when you think about that, he could have done that. He could have just snapped his fingers and everything would have been done. But no, it, he didn't do it all in one day. It, it took a process. There was a there was like a step by step there. When you think about even our salvation. Right. When we accept Christ, when we become believers in Jesus, of Jesus, uh, God doesn't just beam us up into heaven. For some reason, he keeps us here. You know, you might wish that he beamed you right up to heaven right away. That'd be pretty cool. But no, he keeps you here for some reason, whether it's to share the gospel with other people or if it's since he's working in you, he wants to see that transformation before we get there. And as we're being transformed here on earth, you know, that's glorifying him. That's bringing him honor because we're living in a different way now. You know, and even thinking about that process of uh, being transformed by God, um, becoming holy is a process, too. So not only do we stay here as when, when we're saved, right? Salvation isn't automatically going up to heaven. It's, it's here. But even our holiness is a process that's called sanctification. Right. So when we're being sanctified, there, there are steps to it. You know, I know for sure as a Christian, I'm not perfect. And every other Christian can admit the same thing. You know, we're not perfect the moment we accept Christ. Not at all. If anything, that's when your sins become even more obvious to you. So when you look at all those different examples, you see that God uses a process for everything that he does. You know, and, and the funny thing is that we, we don't want it, but we see that God uses it always. So it must be important. It must be important. I want to look at some of the word, some of scripture here. Where we see this as well uh, in Psalm 23. That's a very popular psalm. You might have heard of it. Uh, I'm sure many of you have. Many of you have. But if you haven't, it's very popular. It's probably the most popular uh, psalm in all of the Bible. And this was written by King David. He wrote this psalm. Many Bible scholars believe that David wrote this later in life. So this is King David that defeated Goliath. He was king of Israel. He's King Solomon's dad. And they believe, many scholars believe that he wrote this towards the end of his reign in Israel. I think he had a reign maybe something like 40 years. But at the end of his reign, 
uh, he wrote this and you see it. You see it in the scripture because it seems like it's written uh, of a lifelong journey. There's like a beginning to it, an early life to it. There's a middle life to it. And then there's that grand finale. Right. So we'll look at this right now, actually. But it seems to reflect a lifelong journey in it. So let's read it and then we'll talk about it a little bit. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside uh, still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I mean, that's a beautiful psalm. And again, I do want to point out, we're, we're going to get into it a little bit more. And I want to point out that lifelong journey that you see within it. King David was actually a, um, a shepherd. He was a shepherd. His early life was being a shepherd boy for his, his dad's sheep. And it's just interesting that he starts it off with, the Lord is my shepherd. You know, it almost seems like it's going back to the beginning of his life. And he says, I shall not want. Right. That means you have everything you need. So you don't want anything if you have everything you need. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. All of this seems to reflect that early life. I almost picture it as, you know, a child that's depending on whoever is responsible for him or her, whether it's, you know, mom and dad or, you know, a grandma or grandpa, whoever it is, you know, the child doesn't need anything, doesn't really want anything. There's no lacking, nothing lacking because you're depending completely on the adults that um, are responsible for you. So he leads me. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Now, there's a shift here. There's a little change here. Right. That's the early life. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. See, when you're a kid, when you're a child, you think the world revolves around you like it's all about you. And that's true for for you as a, you know, physically, as you're growing up as, as just a human being. But it's also true spiritually. Like when you wake up spiritually, you start to even in the beginning, you kind of think it's still all about you. But eventually something happens and you start realizing it's not all about me. It's all about God. God's the main character, even in my story. But as you know, just physically. You know, as a child, you think it's all about you, but then something happens where you realize it's not all about me. And that's what this scripture is saying. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake, like for his glory, for his purpose. It's about him. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I'll stop there for a second. You know, those these last two uh, sentences, let's say. Or about that midlife. It's, it's not, I'm not a child anymore. It's not just green pastures anymore. It's not even all about me anymore. Now he's, he's leading me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. It's about him. It's like that middle of the life. When you come to that realization, right? And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. It doesn't say even if I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, even though I walk. See, King David speaks with authority because he had the experience. He's been there. If you read his story, he's been through a lot or, he, you know, he went through a lot. 
But again, it's, it's going to that middle where, you know, you're going through that dark valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil. And th- this is the next part that seems to sum up the whole psalm. And it even sums up, honestly, this whole teaching. For you are with me. For you are with me. So this was, you know, he came from green pastures. Like everything's fine and dandy. Everything's perfect. I don't need anything. I have everything I need. I'm being taken care of by my shepherd, my Lord, to being walked into this valley. And guess who guided him there too, right? It was God. You know, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. And right after that, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. But then that next part again, for you are with me, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So that line, I think is so important that that term, that phrase there for you are with me. You know, he, he came from, you know, everything being taken care of. And now he's going through the hardest part of his life. He's going through that dark valley. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Like, listen, if there was a street named Valley of the or, or, or Shadow of Death, I, I wouldn't want to go down that street. Like, that sounds like a rough place to be. And even there, he's saying, I'll fear no evil for you are with me. Because God has already proven faithful to him. All those green pastures, everything being taken care of. You know, being beside still waters, having his soul, his soul restored. You know, he understands that God is faithful. He already proved that to him. So that's why he can say with authority, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. But then look at the next part. Now we're, we're, going, we're con- going to continue in this journey. And he says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So that's that last part, that final goal right there where he says, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's that final goal. That's the destination that he, you know, we have. We all have as Christians, as believers in Christ, you know, to be in the presence of the Lord forever. That's heaven. It's heaven. You can see a visual um, like journey here. See, if you, I pictured this way. I don't know if you can follow me with it, but I kind of see like, you know, the green pastures. This is the beginning. The green pastures. Everything's like beautiful. There's some type of high point here, maybe a high land. Right. But then he's being led down into the valley. Right. You see that. You see that curve like going down into the valley. And that's that dark place. That's that hard point. That's that. That's that low point rather. And then eventually he starts coming all up. He right here. He's still saying for you are with me and he's going all the way up. And then when he goes up, it's not just back to that, that high point where he had with the green pastures anymore. Now it's all the way up. Now it's the highest point. So can you see that? Like it's the it's the green pastures. It's a high point going down to a valley, but then eventually going back up. Those that tables being set before before him in the presence of his enemies. That's not done at the valley, by the way, that's already on the way up. And then he's going up until he's in the house of the Lord. He's dwelling with the Lord. That's, a high, that's the highest point. Something I want you to see is God was there all the way through. Like he's in the green pastures. The Lord is my shepherd. He's going down. He's in the dark, that dark place, that low point. And he says, for you are with me. Like that's the promise that God gives us. He's always with us. He's always guiding us. Even to that low point. Like look back to it. He leads me in paths of righteousness. Who's leading him? That's the Lord for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that's God's leading. That's God's guidance. 
I'll fear no evil for you're with me. And so he knows God's down there. And obviously he knows he's with God because he says it. I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So the beautiful thing in this journey is God's there all the way through. You have to see that. You have to see that. And that's not just in King David's life. That's for everyone, especially, obviously, for all believers, everyone that, that, that has this faith in Christ. God promises to be there all the way through, even through those patches of the, of the journey, of the process that you don't want to be in. God is still there. So it demonstrates a journey from start to end. And the journey is important to God, because as I mentioned, you see God doing this step by step process in everything that he does. You know, from creation to salvation, to sanctification, to everything. I think that's really important, right? And you don't only see it in the psalm. There's another great example of where you see this in scripture. You see it everywhere, right? But the two things that stand out to me is in that psalm. But then you also see it in the life of Jesus. When you think about Jesus, Jesus lived a full life. You know, he died on a cross for our sins. We know that. And obviously... That's that very important final goal. His sole purpose of coming down to earth was to die for our sins and take our place. Like that's, that's clearly what he came for, but he didn't just come at 33 years old. Like God didn't just tell him, you know, go down there. Now it's time. You're 33. Go down. I'm going to send you as a grown man and I want you to die on the cross. No, he didn't send him at 30. He could have sent him as a grown man and said, all right, you're going to do ministry for 30 years. Everyone's going to see you. And then you're going to die on a cross. And then I'm going to resurrect you afterwards. It's going to be just three years and a few days. No, he didn't, he didn't say that either. He didn't do that. He didn't come as a teenager. And he didn't even come as a young child. And you might even say he came as a baby, as a, as a newborn. But when you think about it, he actually was even in his mother's belly for nine months. Jesus was being formed inside of his mother's belly physically for nine months. That makes it pretty obvious that a process is very important to God to the point where he even made Jesus submit to a process, to a journey. You know, there's a scripture that is very interesting in Luke. It's Luke chapter two, verse 52. Luke chapter two, verse 52. And it says, just to give you some background, sorry. Um, He's 12 years old. Jesus is 12. We don't know anything about this process that Jesus had after birth. Like we have that Christmas story, that first Christmas, that beautiful birth of Jesus, of our Savior. And then we really don't have anything of his childhood. He's 12 years old and we get this little thing. Jesus was 12 and they, they had a, a great feast. They went, you know, him and his family traveled for a big, ho- you know, big holiday, Jewish holiday. And when they were leaving, they couldn't find Jesus. And where was he? He was actually in the temple talking to teachers and and, you know, other leaders and asking them questions. And they were just mind blown by his his uh, understanding and how smart he was. And his parents come back and they say, why would you do this to me? Uh, why, why would you you know, make us go through this having to look for you and putting us through that that fear? And he says, like, didn't you know I'd be in my father's house? Didn't you know I'd be there? But at the end of that little story or that little part it says in Luke 2 verse 52 and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men what does that mean well to grow in wisdom means he was growing mentally he was growing mentally even Jesus himself was growing mentally to grow in stature means he was growing physically obviously 
we can easily accept that, right? We can easily understand that. He was still growing as a person physically. But the other part is very interesting. He was growing in favor with God and men. Why would he have to grow in favor with God? Because again, God was submitting him in this process. Even though Jesus was already perfect, perfection was already who he was. His perfection was being tested to the phys- by the physical realm that he was in. You know, in, in heaven, Jesus was always perfect. He always existed. But now he's submitting himself to his own creation, to a physical limitation. And his perfection was being tested in this physical boundary that he was in now. He was completely submitted to this process. And through his submission to, you know, through his obedience to God in this physical realm, that's how he was gaining favor with God. Because now even his perfection was being uh, uh, proven in his physical limitation. And then the same thing with men. When men saw, when people saw his perfection, when they saw his obedience, obviously he gained favor with the people around him as well. Because they knew, they saw he was different. But it's just amazing to think that Jesus was growing in this way. The point is, though, the point of all that is that Jesus had a journey as well. Even Jesus had a journey. He didn't just come and take care of business. He had a long process before he got to that final, that final goal. See, God used the process in creation. Jesus went through a lifelong process here on earth. It only makes sense that we have to go through a process too. Like if God went through it, if his own son went through it, it makes perfect sense that we go through it in everything that we do, whatever those goals are. It makes sense that we go through it too. In fact, the opposite wouldn't make sense. It wouldn't make sense if we didn't go through a process in the goals that we're trying to accomplish. It would be incongruent to what God has designed. It it wouldn't fit. It wouldn't match. It wouldn't make sense to God's design when everything else is made in a process and everything else goes through a process. Jesus himself went through a process. And then the things that we try to accomplish don't. And by the way, just to mention a little bit of, of what I'm talking about, you might have financial goals. You might have emotional goals or mental goals. They might be educational goals. They might be uh, relational goals. Maybe you're trying to you know, work in relationships that you have with your spouse or with your children. You know, they can be so many. It can be a spiritual goal. You know, there can be so many different things that you're going through, something that you're trying to reach. And, and a lot of times you don't think of it as a goal. Like you don't say, I have this uh, spiritual goal that I have in mind, or I have this uh, mental goal that I have, or emotional goal. It's more like, I'm always angry. <laughs> How do I stop being this way? I just want to stop being angry. No, there's a process. There's a process to it. Um, and that's, that's true for every other thing that you want to accomplish. So if God went through it, Jesus went through it, it's important that we go through it too. Even if you don't want to, it's obviously important that we have this journey and this walk that we go through as well. So there are a few takeaways that I'd like to highlight. There are a few takeaways. Number one is the obvious, that God is in the process all the way through. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. No matter what you're going through, whatever, whatever like goal you're kind of focused on right now, whatever part in your lifelong journey you're in right now, a lot of times it might feel like you're by yourself, but the, the word reminds us clearly that he is always with you. He's always there. He cares. 
And he understands what a journey is. He cares. So God is in the process. Number two, the process we take in reaching our goal makes things more real. And I'll explain that. It makes things more real. It clears things up in a way that we can see things more accurately. I have a a good example for this that I I think can explain it. Um, When I got married, you know, when I married my wife, uh, you know, all those years ago, I thought I loved her. Right. I thought I loved her. And I say that for a reason. Obviously, I do love her. But then I thought I loved her. But after all these years of being married to her for 11 years now, pretty much that we've been married. I know I love her. I'll explain that before I thought I loved her. Right. I mean, I was convinced that I, that I did love her. And obviously I did. But I'm saying I thought I loved her. Now I know I love her. And I'll explain that. When I first got married to her, I thought I knew her, but I didn't. I didn't really know her. We didn't live together. We didn't spend all, the, all that time together. You know, when we got married and, and then we started spending every single day of our lives together 24-7. You know, we, we've been together for 11 years. We've, we're raising three children of our own. After all this time, all this experience, now I know her. Now I know I know her. I'm convinced of that. And because of that, I know I love her. And my love for her is way more real. It's way more real. Because the love I had for her before was based on the idea of who she was in my mind. I had an idea of who she was. And by the way, I wasn't that far from, from, from that, you know, that idea wasn't far from reality, you know, but there was no way I could know the depths of who she was because I didn't know her to that extent. So think about how, 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 I don't want to say, uh, think about how, where my love really was. Like my love was on that idea and it was, it was great. But once I got to know her for real, now I'm loving the real her. So my love is more real and it's it's much more deep and it clears up things. Right. So the journey clears things up. I had this idea of who she was. That journey, all these years together has cleared and cleared that up. Now I really know who she is. And of course, all the everyone that's married for 20, 30, 40 plus years, you guys are saying you still don't know her. I get it. Like I'm going to get to know her even more. But don't compare me to you. Compare me to to day one. Right. That's a big difference. Um, so I hope that that point, that idea um, or that example rather clarifies that, you know, it makes it more real. It clarifies, it refines the, the goal. That's what the journey does. That's what the process does. I'll give you another example, like even uh, weight loss, right? Like a lot of times we want to lose weight. You know, you might have a goal in mind. And then once you start that process, you're like, hold up. How many, how many, how many ounces did I lose in, in three months? Like this is all, this is all I lost. You know, you, you have to restructure that plan. You have to say, all right, hold up. Let's change the goal. Let's make a smaller goal, you know, one that's more reachable. And then once I get to that point, then, all right, we can figure it out from there. But that's what the journey does. It can refine that, you know, it can refine that goal. It can clarify things. It can make it more clear and more real, more realistic. You know, another takeaway I want to make is this another takeaway I want to point out is there's a danger in trying to take a shortcut. So we can have this ultimate goal that we want to reach, but shortcuts often lead us into great danger. Um, You know, they often, not only do they cause more hurt and pain, but a lot of times it even keeps us from ever reaching that goal. Like let's talk about heaven. There's no shortcut to heaven. There's none. (laughs) There's no shortcut to heaven. If anything, Jesus is the shortcut to heaven. Jesus is the only way 
to heaven. That's it. And yet we still try to do shortcuts to go around Jesus as if we're going to get there. Oh, you know what? If my bad outweighs, I'm sorry, if my good outweighs my bad, then God, God will accept that. Or, you know, God knows my heart. As long as my intentions are good, you know, then I think I'll be able to go to heaven. You know what? I know I have this, this, this area over here in my life that's full of sin that, that God doesn't like. But there's no way that God is going to see the good area of my life and not give me credit for it. Like we think we can create these shortcuts into heaven, but you can't. Because the long route truly is being perfect. Jesus is the only way because nobody's perfect. You know, and I even want to take this moment to, to just kind of point that out. Like if anyone thinks in their minds that there's any other way to heaven except through Jesus, I'm sorry, it's, it's just not it. There might be many roads to Jesus, but Jesus is the only road to heaven. There are many ways to get to know who Jesus is. But he's the only way that's going to get you to the Father. He says it. I am the way, the truth, and the life. He's the only way. And that's what he's saying. So there's no shortcuts in, in getting to where we want to go. There's no shortcuts. Um, no shortcut to heaven. Uh, getting out of debt, for example. Getting out of debt has a process. There's no shortcut to getting out of debt. Shortcuts, if you think about it, shortcuts are what got you into debt. You know? We pull out a credit card because we don't have it. Let me take this shortcut to get what I want. And now you got debt. So shortcuts of anything are what create that debt. Getting out of it has a process. Building a family has a process. Reaching your mental health goals has a process. Getting a college degree has a process. Grieving has a process. Everything that is worth accomplishing, everything that is worth reaching has a journey to get there. Everything. We're all living our, our lifelong journey. But whatever mini journey you're going through right now, as you have your eyes on whatever goals you're trying to reach, my hope is for us to remember God is in the process. He cares about the process. He heals you within the process. He teaches you within the process. He causes you to grow within the process. There's growth there all the way through. He reveals who he is to you in that process. Like he actually reveals his character, reveals his heart. And by the way, you're also revealing yourself to him. And that's where the relationship is. In that process, in that journey. He loves you in the process. He proves that he's faithful all the way through in that process. He's always there. He's always there from beginning to middle to end. He's there in the green pastures. He's there in the valley. And he's there, obviously, in his house when you're dwelling with him for eternity. Not all the journey is going to be green pastures and dwelling in the house of the Lord. But even in a low point, even when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you, have to have, you don't have to have any fear because you can be confident that he's there with you. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for this uh, word. Thank you for your consistency of being the same God in the beginning, in the middle, and the end, and creation, and everything that you do. Lord, you're the same God in the green pastures. You're the same God at that low point in the valley. And you're the same God, even when we're dwelling in your presence, Lord, at that highest point. I pray, Lord, that uh, as, we, as we think of you know, everything we've discussed, we've talked about, I pray, God, that we're reminded of your consistency and reminded of your faithfulness, that we can always lean on you. That in that process, we know that things are happening. In that journey, we know that you're doing something. 
And we can't be discouraged from, you know, going through it. We can't despise it because even though our minds are on that final goal, there's so much that you're doing in the middle of it. So may we be, may we be encouraged to go through it, trusting that you're doing a work. That you're showing us how loving you are, how, how great you are, how faithful you are. And I also pray, Lord, that when we grow impatient, Lord, when we're tempted to take shortcuts, I pray that we don't do it. Because those shortcuts lead us to danger. Those, lo- those shortcuts lead to extra hurt and pain. And a lot, of this, a lot of the times the shortcuts keep us from actually getting to where we're trying to go. May we lean on you, on your faithfulness, knowing that you're guiding us all the way through. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Christ Fellowship of Elizabeth is a Christian community whose mission is to love God, make disciples, and change the world. You can learn all about us by visiting cfofelizabeth.com. We meet each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. at the Liberty Center in Elizabeth, as well as at various times throughout the week. If you'd like to see a video recording of the full worship service this teaching came from, you can watch On Demand on our YouTube channel, and you can join us live online every week by visiting cfofelizabeth.live. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Make sure you subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher so you never miss an episode. See you next time.